Okay. Well, you know what? There's a house full of needs when there's this many people. Right? I would say everybody that has a need, raise their hand. But there's no need to say that because everybody has a need. But I want to ask you something. Is it possible? Is it possible? No, with man it's impossible. But not with God. Jesus said all things are possible with God. All things. So, I don't know, what gospel are you believing this morning? What gospel are you believing this morning? Are you believing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you believing something you've made up in your head? Hmm. Is that an amen or an oh me? For me, it's a, sometimes an oh me. Because all things really are possible. They really are possible. What you think is impossible, totally impossible, God laughs at it. He just thinks it's funny. You know why? Because it's not impossible for him. And I want to know what gospel you're believing this morning. We're going to look at that just a little bit and see what are we really believing. Now, we've talked about exchange. I don't know. You might have heard that word a time or two around here. And that's a really good thing. Because you know what it does? It takes it off of you who, by which it is impossible, and it puts it on him by which all things are possible. Okay? What gospel are you believing? Do you believe a gospel that if I clean myself up, I get with it, I get do the things right, then God is going to do, He's going to bless me and pet me on my head and say, what a good little boy you are. Right? Just get out of my way, God. I can do it all. Uh, good luck with that one. Here's the glorious good news of the gospel. He's already done it all. All you have to do is believe it. Believe it. You know, the, there is one thing, though, that makes it impossible for God. Anybody want to guess what that is? Unbelief. It says that the Lord himself could do no mighty miracles because of their unbelief. Now, are you believing his gospel? Are you believing your gospel? But see, your gospel is not good news. Because it requires of you to perform. Keep on performing. Let's see how it works. You know how it works? You get really tired. You get really done 
with everything. And the reason some of these seats are empty is because people got really tired of trying to do a gospel that's not the gospel. And they're done. Are we telling the whole gospel? You know what I hear? This is what I hear just all over the country. Christ died for you. Wonderful. That's good news. means I don't have to die. That's only part of the story. If he only died, you know what that does for me? Makes me a forgiven criminal. That's what it does. And that's where 90% of the church is. They're forgiven criminals. So where's the abundant life? They're miserable sinners is what they are. Because they got just enough of God to kind of get inoculated. But they don't know He lives in them for the abundant life. So, Christ dead makes you a forgiven criminal. Christ alive makes you a son of God. So what are you believing? Are we taking time to know that we really know what we believe? Now the exchange gets us a long way down that road. It takes us off of us and on to him. And he's done it all. And there's nothing we can do to contribute to that. Not a thing. There is one thing, though. One thing is required of you. One thing and one thing only. That you believe. So will you believe the truth? Or are you going to make up your story and make up your God in your head? You know, the sad thing is, that's being done all over. Why do we have a weak and powerless and ineffective church in most towns across this nation? Why? Did Jesus get off the throne at some point? No. People quit believing is what happened. People quit believing the truth. Of the gospel. And they mixed it with all these isms. I don't know about you, but you get on Facebook and about half the posts I see from Christians are talking about karma. What is karma? It's, it, the, karma is an Eastern ism. That's what it is. You know what it is? It's the old man's hope of revenge. If you want to know the truth, it's as ugly as the old man ever was. That's what karma is. And I found it to be in people's vocabulary now. They use that word. Oh, karma will get him. Don't worry about it. Karma will get him. Okay, so if you're counting on that, 
good luck with that because that's a man thing too. That's not going to happen. Let go and let God in that scenario. And guess what? When you forgive, you quit taking the poison. I like what the way Kenneth Copeland puts that. He says, you know what unforgiveness is? He said, you're taking poison hoping the other person will die. You're taking poison hoping the other person will die. The one that wronged you. So if you believe that, that's going to help you in some way. You're on another gospel. And you know what Paul said about that? He said, if any man preach another gospel, let him be accursed. And I say again, let him be accursed. Now, when a Jew said something twice, he really meant it. He wanted you to get it. He's like, hey, listen to this. I'm not kidding. So what is the gospel? What does it look like? You've heard it many times. But I just wanted to remind you once again of what it is. No man has greater love than this than he laid down his life for his friends, right? That's what Jesus did. But that's not quite enough. Tomorrow we're going to honor many who've laid down their lives for us. You know, I, some of you have family members who gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we'd be free. And we celebrate that tomorrow. The fact that this nation is great enough for people to give their lives for it. That our freedoms are great enough to inspire people to give their life's blood for it. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords gave his life's blood for you. And that's good for eternity. Not just until the next war. But forever and ever and ever the battle has been won. And if you're sitting there tied up in knots because you're worried about something, worried about somebody, or worried about a problem that is so large that you think you'll never get over it, never get through it, I got good news for you. The victory has already been won. Camp out in the, with the believing camp. I'm, we're going to look at Isaiah 53 just real briefly here. Because I want you to hear it, just hear it. Okay? Just hear it. Because this is the gospel written 700 years before the gospel walked the earth. God had a plan. And he worked his plan. And his plan is perfect. So here it is. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, we're not talking about earthly stuff. We're not talking about Jesus was a foot taller and broader shouldered and look like a muscle man or any of that kind of stuff. We're not talking about that. That's 
just physical. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. But surely hath borne our griefs and our carried our sorrows. Yet we did, did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Whose transgressions? Ours. He was bruised for our iniquities. Not his, ours. He didn't have any. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Then it tells us again, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and his sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. couple more verses here in Isaiah. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he has poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. There's nothing left. There is nothing left for you to do. It's been done. It's all been done. How can you add to that? What can you add to that? There is nothing to add to that. Nothing. That is the gospel. Like I say, 700 years before he was ever born, God had the gospel in Isaiah. And here it is. Now, what part of this don't you believe? For most of us, it's, it's most of it. I'm not even sure we fully, really understand what it's saying to us. Basically, every need that man has ever had has been covered. That's what it's saying. So, what do we do about that? Nothing. We believe it. That's what we, quote, do about it. Okay? So, in Hebrews, it tells us, 
Hebrews 3 and 12, it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For ye are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did not provoke, howbeit. No, wait a minute, I missed that up. For when, for some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he was grieved forty years, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and whom swear he that they should not enter his, into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see they could not enter because of unbelief. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, I kind of prefer rest over strain. So if I can't believe, I can't rest. That's required. But what am I to believe? The report we just read. This is not real complicated. But it's amazing how the world, the church, and religion has complicated the gospel to make it hard to believe. Okay? What do we give witness of when we give witness of the gospel? Wow. What do we give witness of? I'll tell you what, most give witness of, that he died for us. Like I say, that's only part of the story. If he had only died, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't. Nobody would know it. Do you know how many Jews were crucified on crosses and died? Thousands and thousands, maybe tens of thousands. They said the the roads to Jerusalem were lined with crosses. Rome wanted them to get the point. You get out of line, you get on a cross. But there was one itinerant Jewish preacher that they thought they could nail to a cross and it'd be over. But then the third day, he arose from the dead, to die no more. Now there's the gospel. You're not a forgiven criminal. You're a son of God. Because he did get up that third day. And I, I, just to prove this to you, I want to read it to you out of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 26, says the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus, 
whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. There ain't nobody left in that scenario. That's everybody. Okay? Every, every authority. Okay? For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, new man, union, Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. You don't do that in the old man. There's no common in the old man. It's all mine. And here's what I want you to see. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Now, does it say he gave witness of the cross up there? Does it say he gave witness of the whipping post? Does it say he gave witness of the Last Supper? Of your water baptism? Of your confirmation? Of your whatever you do? Of you're wearing the right clothes or not wearing the right clothes. Or growing your hair in these places and not in those places. And all that kind of stuff. Which is just isms. No, it says he gave witness of the resurrection and great grace was upon them all. Great grace was upon them all. Let me ask you something. You feel like you're living in great grace? Are we giving witness of the resurrection? Are we talking about church? Are you talking about doing church my way? Talking about church doing your way? You talking about what are you talking about? It's his resurrection. And guess what? When he went to the cross, we went to the cross. When he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he arose, we arose. You are resurrected. Do you know it? Are you walking in it? Do you believe that? Or do we believe some kind of divided up? Well, that's good on Sunday morning and then Monday morning. You know, I get that bill from the gas company and uh uh-oh. Or I get, you know, whatever else happens. Or I'm dealing with this thing I've been dealing with for 20 years. Do you believe it? That's what's required is faith. That's all that's required. And that's the glorious good news. 
Okay, I want to read to you out of the message just a little bit, and we're going to be close to done here. Just want you to hear it. Friends, let me go over the message with you one final time. This message that I proclaimed and that you made your own. This message on which you took your stand and by which your life has been saved. I'm assuming now that your belief was the real thing and not a passing fancy. That you're in this for good and holding fast. The first thing I did was place you before what was placed so emphatically before me. That the Messiah died for our sins exactly as the scripture tells it. That he was buried. That he was raised from death on the third day. Again, exactly as the scripture says. That he presented himself alive to Peter, then to his closest followers. Mm -mm -mm. And later, to more than 500 of his followers, all at the same time. Most of them still around when Paul wrote this. That he then spent time with James and the rest of those he commissioned and to, to represent him. And that he finally presented himself alive to me. And this is Paul writing this. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up. I skipped a few verses down to verse 20. The truth is that Christ has been raised up. The first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave cemeteries. This is a nice symmetry in this. Death initially came by man. And resurrection from death came by a man. Everybody dies a night. Adam. Everybody comes alive in Christ. But we have to wait our turn. Christ is first. Then those at him, with him at his coming. The grand consummation when after crushing the opposition, he hands over his kingdom to God the Father. He won't let up until his last enemy's down. And that's death. Guess when death was defeated? We just read about it, did we not? When there was an empty tomb and death couldn't hold him. We follow this sequence in scripture. First Adam received life. The last Adam is a life-giving spirit. That is 1 Corinthians 15 and 45. And 46 says, physical life comes first, then spiritual a firm base shaped from the earth, a final completion coming out of heaven. The first man was made out of earth, and people since then are earthy. The second man was made out of heaven, and people now can be heavenly. Can be heavenly. In the same way that we've worked from our earthly origins, let us embrace our heavenly ends. I believe that's what you call exchange. Okay. But let me tell you something wonderful. I probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die, but we're all going to be exchanged. It says chained in New Gene, but it, we know it's exchanged. You'll hear a blast to, to end all the blasts. 
from a trumpet, and at the time you look up and blink your eyes, it's over. On signal from that trumpet from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves and beyond the reach of death, never to die again. At that same moment, and in the same way, we'll all be changed. In the resurrection scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable taken off the shelves and replaced by the imperishable. This mortal replaced by immortal. Then the saying will come true. Death swallowed up by triumphant life. I got news for you. Death has already been swallowed up by triumphant life. You're already as alive as you'll ever be. If you think you're going to get something more than you've got besides a new body, it ain't happening. That's a good place to shout, but I don't guess nobody cares, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Who got the last word, old death? Old death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening, the law and the law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, and death, are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. None of that stuff matters to us anymore. With all this going for us, my dear... My dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the Master, confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. Everything you do in Him is eternal. There is nothing that will be lost. Glory to God. Do we have needs? Is there needs? Yeah, there's needs. You bet. So what do we do about those needs? If you have a need, I want you to come up here right now. I don't want you to wait. Do you believe the gospel or don't you believe it? I have a need. You have a need. If you have a need, come right up here right now and let's ask him for the impossible. Because he is the God of the possible, not the impossible. And he's able to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. And then beyond. Now, you're more than welcome to come. And you're not receiving from me. You're receiving from him. Okay? You're not receiving from me. You're receiving from him. And I want you to hear this. Your situation feels like it's impossible but we just read it was possible death hell and the grave have been overcome that is the glorious good news of the gospel and we're no longer limited to what we can see our five senses the glorious good news is that he's as real more real than the things we can touch and see and taste and feel. And He lives in you. If you believe He lives in you, ask Him to manifest in those needs that you have right now.
Ask him to manifest in that. Because he's a way maker. He's a chain breaker. He is the all in all. There is nothing impossible for him. Nothing. And you're his child. And he says, come to me. All you that are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Learn of me. Because I'm meek and lowly. And I'll take your burden. So Lord, we just come to you right now. You know the needs of every person. You know the needs of our nation. You know the needs that we have. So we're here to acknowledge our dependence upon you. We're here to acknowledge that we cannot, but you can. So Lord, I just ask you to fall in here by the power of the Holy Ghost and set it right. Lord, we know that we've done battle with things that we shouldn't be doing battle with. That you took it. That you did it. Lord, we cry out, help our unbelief. Set our hearts and minds on you and what you've done. And we believe, Lord. We come and we take it from the table of life that you provided. We believe, Lord, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that you are exactly who you say you are. And we're exactly who you made us to be. In this we rejoice and give you thanks that these things are done now in Jesus' name. We, it is done. It is finished. So let's just thank Him. Lord, we just thank You, Lord, for Your great grace, Your awesome mercy, Your resurrection power. We just thank You, Lord. Amen.